Hi, and welcome back to our first one and done episode in our fall series, Happy Hour Gets Spooky. As you can tell, we have a little bit more spooky music for you. We are reading some listener ghost stories today. So be prepared and don't listen alone. Mm. (laughs) I'm so excited. So I guess I should introduce myself. I'm Cassie. And I'm Tiffany. And this is Happy Hour Gets Weird. It's our one and done episode. (laughs) This episode is going to be so good because we are reading listener ghost stories. Yeah, it's going to be great. And we are wearing, I'm wearing my Halloween gaucho pants. They're gauchos with pumpkins on them. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing my Halloween thong. <laughs> Shut up, you're so- it's it's actually a men's thong. It's from Fredericks of Hollywood, so it's a <laughs> pumpkin in the front. <laughs> okay. All jokes aside, let's get spooky. Let's get spooky. Okay, so what are you drinking? I'm just drinking some wine in honor of Mike Wine Guy who has a YouTube who and he talks about wine and interviews sommeliers and wineries and restaurants that carry wine. It's fantastic. It's Mike the Wine Guy on YouTube. He sent us a story and requested specifically that we drink wine during this episode. So I did it. I did it. There you go. All right. Are you ready to get started? I am ready to get started. Oh, that means I actually have to get started. (laughs) Yep, that means you're ready. (laughs) Okay, so our first listener story comes from Jeremy, who is the host of the Storage Papers podcast, which is a fantastic fictional horror podcast. And you can find that on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all the podcast platforms. I highly recommend it. He is an amazing writer and it's incredibly, incredibly spooky. So his email starts out. Back in August of 2006, my family moved from Arizona to North Carolina. A friend of mine from high school and his wife helped us move. My wife was pregnant with our second kid, so she and my friend's wife flew out to North Carolina while my friend Robert and I drove a 26-foot rental truck, towing our car on a trailer behind it. We made the trip in five days, driving 12 to 16 hours a day, switching off driving every time we filled up for gas. From the Phoenix area, we headed north to Flagstaff, then took 40 the rest of the way. Toward the end of our trip, we were still on Highway 40 going through Arkansas, and in the early evening, just before dark, we hit the heaviest rain I had ever seen. We had to pull over to the shoulder until the rain passed because visibility was zero. We waited for a while until the rain lifted enough for us to see the road, then started our elevation gain into the Ozarks. Within an hour... We had about a quarter tank of gas left, so we decided to pull off at the next gas station we saw, since the mileage wouldn't be as good in the hills. Just after 9 p.m., 
We saw one and took the exit. It had been drizzling until we pulled up to the pump, and then the rain just stopped. There were tall trees surrounding the gas station in every direction, and I remember thinking how quiet it was. I couldn't hear any bugs or animal noises, and the only thing I recall hearing was the dripping of water off the roof above me. I got out of the driver's seat, and Robert walked around to my side to ask if I wanted any snacks or drinks. At that point, I didn't care. I just wanted something hot, so I asked him to grab a corn dog, nachos, or anything that was sitting in the heat lamp less than two days old, and a Gatorade. So he walks into the store while I start pumping gas. While I'm standing and stretching out my arms and legs, I notice he's pacing back and forth in the store. Eventually, with his hands full of junk food, he props the door open with his foot and says, Nobody's here, dude. So I jokingly say, I guess it's all free then. So he goes back inside and plops everything down on the counter. Then he disappears where I can't see him. Glad to be standing, I lean back against the truck and I hear a voice right next to me to my left that says, can I help you boys? In a really thick Southern accent. I jumped out of my skin because when I turned my head to look, there's an old guy uncomfortably close to me and I have no idea how he got so close to me without me seeing him approach. The tank I was filling up was just behind the cab and there was over 20 feet of truck to my left and another 20 feet of trailer. I had nearly an unobstructed view, minus the next gas pump where the guy would have approached from. He was an older guy, probably in his mid-sixties with abnormally pale skin, pretty long white beard, and he wore overalls with some holes in them and a gray and blue plaid shirt. He looked like he just stepped out of a western movie and just stood there and stared at me, waiting for me to respond. I asked him if he could ring my friend up at the register, but he just stood there staring at me, expressionless. After a moment, I asked if he was okay, and he didn't respond. By this time, I was glancing at the pump to see how many gallons I'd gone into the tank because the dude was creeping me out. And then, without another word, he just turned around and started walking away. I looked around to see if any other vehicles were near, and there weren't. I just watched him walk past the building to the left and across the freeway off-ramp, then into the woods. As soon as he was out of sight, it started raining again, and then Robert came running out of the store trying to make it to the cover over the pumps to avoid getting soaked. As he started handing me a disgusting-looking hot dog and some mustard packets, I asked him if he saw the guy I was talking to, and unfortunately he didn't. Then I asked, you didn't just walk out with these, did you? He said, no, the guy at the counter was dropping a deuce when I first went in, and he must have heard me yelling at you from the door. Apparently, the guy propped the bathroom door open and told Robert he'd be with him in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Robert was laughing when he told me the guy didn't wash his hands because the toilet was still flushing as he left the bathroom. Then he made a joke about the guy putting his hands all over my hot dog before he left, which I knew was BS. After the tank was full and we were well on our way, I told Robert about the guy I had encountered. And I'm not sure he believed me, but he didn't make fun of me at least. We decided to drive a couple more hours before looking for a rest stop to get a couple hours of sleep. And that is from Jeremy. 
over at the Storage Papers podcast. For me, just a weird, creepy, old hillbilly ghost staring at you and then turning around silently and walking into the woods in the pouring rain is like the most terrifying thing. It is scary, but it's also kind of, I mean, he was probably, that was probably his routine was to walk this certain stretch and then go home. Yeah. And the description was fantastic. I could perfectly picture him. I mean, perfectly he he's a fantastic, him. fantastic writer. Yes, so, definitely. Check, check out, if you are into fictional horror podcasts, or even if you're not and you're just kind of intrigued by Jeremy's writing, check out the Storage Papers. And you can also um, go to thestoragepapers.com to get, you know, where you can listen um, he, he, and all of his information on the podcast there. So thank you so much, Jeremy, for sending that in. We loved it. Yes, thank you so much. Okay, so our next story is from Leon Davis, who is the host of One Good Question podcast. One Good Question podcast is an interview podcast that asks interesting people one unique question and then lets the answer speak for itself. It's a great podcast and you should definitely check it out. My Pet Ghost. About four to five months into our lease, my roommate, who was a magician, got a job as a roadie with Andrew Cole, a Christian illusionist who traveled around the world performing. So my roommate was gone anywhere from four to six weeks at a time while on tour. The first time the apparition made himself known, I didn't even consider the possibility at the time of the incident. I was sitting in the living room watching television and my roommate had been gone on tour for a couple of weeks. All of a sudden, I hear something hit the floor in his bathroom. I get up to investigate and notice a frame with a quote on the floor flush against the back wall. Having never spent much time in his bathroom, I thought nothing of it and set it in the corner, then returned to the couch. When he returned home a few weeks later, while he was unpacking, he noticed it on the counter and asked if the frame had fallen. I walked into his room and told him that I picked it up after it fell. He then takes the frame and places it above his mirror. I ask him if that was where it sat initially, and he says yes. I then explain to him that I found it a full six feet away, flush against the back wall, and it didn't make a noise like it hit the counter when it fell. So we both chalk it up as weird and move on with our lives. The next incident occurs when he is on the road again. We had an ironing board that we kept set up in the kitchen with an iron on it. <laughs> we didn't use it a ton, but we were guys and it was easier to leave it there. Once again, I am lounging on the couch watching TV and I haven't thought about the iron or the ironing board in weeks. Suddenly the iron falls off of its perch, reminding me of its existence as it hits the floor and scaring the daylights out of me. Mm-mm. At this point, I am sure that something is going on involving a ghost, and my roommate concedes that it is an odd set of circumstances. Our lease ends, my roommate moves to Colorado, and it's years until my unseen friend makes itself known again. 
The next incident happens when I was living with a young lady in a purely platonic sense, believe it or not. Not This time, it was... (laughs) (laughs) This time, it was a bottle of marinade that was the focus of the apparition's ire. Mm. My roommate had two black Siamese cats the size of a bobcat. They were abnormally large for house cats before the whole hybrid trend began. The cats and I weren't particularly keen on each other, and they had been known to just knock things down out of spite. This bottle of marinade had not been opened and was on the top of the refrigerator with several other items. The first assault on the bottle happened while I was standing near the refrigerator making something to eat. Out of nowhere, the bottle comes off of the refrigerator, hitting me in the shoulder <gasps> before hitting the counter where I gather it before it hits the ground. My first thought was that one of the damned cats was up there causing trouble. But then I turned around and both cats were in the living room looking at me like, what the hell? <laughs> I think to myself, damned ghost. No lie, the, that bottle fell either off of a cabinet or off of the counter three more times until it finally broke. I like to think the ghost was protecting me from some foodborne bacteria in that bottle. Maybe. (laughs) Then I meet my wife. We We move in together, conceive a child, and get married in that order. My wife and I have been married 18 years, and she has witnessed several instances of an ethereal presence yet she still won't admit to it being a part of our life even after it had a particular disdain for one item. The first time it made itself known to my wife, I was on my way out to run errands. As I reach for the doorknob to exit, a clock we had purchased from Target comes off the wall, hits the top of the entertainment center, something rustles through the vertical blinds in front of the patio door, and my wife's cat pisses on the floor. My wife is like, what the hell was that? I assess the situation and tell her, oh, that was probably my ghost. She looks at me quizzically and I explain to her my previous encounters. This clock is a box styled about six inches wide and has a mounting stem on the back that is about four inches long. The nail is at least one inch out of the wall. You have to pull the clock out at least one inch before the nail is out of the stem. It won't just slip off of the nail. That clock came off the wall three more times in two other apartments until it finally broke. My wife repaired it, hung it back up, and it came off the wall again. That clock lives in our garage now, although my (laughs) wife won't admit in front of people that we have a pet ghost. (laughs) My kids have witnessed the same behavior with other items in the house coming off of shelves, and my oldest son has named it Carl. (laughs) I love that name. I do too. I love it. It seems more mischievous than malicious, so I don't particularly think much about it until something that had been on a shelf for a long time decides to head towards the floor. <laughs> I love that story. Me too. It's like a Casper the Friendly, or Carl the Friendly Ghost. Carl the Friendly Ghost. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, we had a, a ghostly entity at the house that I grew up in as a kid. Uh, which I'm not really going to get into now, maybe on a future episode, but we also named our family ghost. So I I could totally relate to their kids naming the ghost. I think naming it makes it more, I guess, approachable, you know? Like yeah. if I had a, 
a family ghost, I would definitely name it. Just, hey, Carl, how's it going? You don't like that marinade? All right, we'll get something else next time. Maybe it's a guardian angel, but his guardian angel is just as major klutz. (laughs) (laughs) Every time the guardian angel tries to protect him, he knocks something down. He trips over his his robe. (laughs) That's a good point. Okay, so my next story comes from Mike, the wine guy. And you can catch him on YouTube at... Mike Wine Guy, and he's also on Instagram under uh, his handle is Mike underscore wine underscore guy. Um, he has great wine content, and if you're into spooky things, which you probably are if you're listening to this, um, in he emailed me and said that that we had inspired him to do a segment at the end of his October episodes interviewing local restaurant and bar owners who have had personal paranormal experience at their restaurants. Oh, that's awesome. I know. Cheers, Mike. Yes. So if you're into wine, if you're into restaurants, if you're into bars and paranormal, check him out. He is wonderful. Okay. I'm so excited about his story. All right. So, this story comes from, actually, a paranormal place that we have done an episode on. (gasps) No. Yes. The motherfucking Stanley Hotel. What? Yes. Mike the Wine Guy is my hero. Yes. Okay. Not all heroes wear capes. Some of them drink wine. So, he says, January... 2019 my wife's favorite band murder by death i like them already best friends Mm -hmm. plays Mm -hmm. they play in very interesting venues including the stanley hotel every year (gasps) how fun Mm. what a cool idea yes and he says i suspect i don't need to go into much detail about the hotel no mike you suspect correctly your suspicion is correct You do not. We are familiar with the Stanley Hotel. We're obsessed. Anyway, we go to the show, stay in the hotel for three nights. The final night is the actual show. Couple things about me. First, although prior to this, I have always believed in the paranormal, but never really experienced much. Second, I don't really get sick. Just very lucky that way. Crazy solid immune system. Continuing. We get in the first night quite late after a long day of travel, flew from South Carolina, and the car ride from the airport to Estates Park, the hotel, is also a good distance. Walk to the front desk. Lobby is pretty dead. The attendant assigns our room. Me, being the hotshot idiot I am, says, I don't suppose you (laughs) could move us to one of the rooms on the fourth floor. I hear it's the most haunted. Unfortunately, they do, and that's where we go. (gasps) Fortunately for us. Yes. Night one. Tiny room, nothing crazy spooky. One bed, bathroom, upright closet. This seemed like the spookiest part of the room. I took pics inside and all around the room. Maybe caught orbs, but most likely dust or reflections. The room is actually a little warm, but there's no AC. I suspect it's rarely rarely needed. 
we crack the window a little and head for bed. I probably slept a little that night, but what I really remember is all the lying awake. Not much spooky to tell, old hotel, lots of noises. The only thing that was consistent, the sounds of footsteps from the ceiling. Good bit for a good while. The next day, first of all, I wake up and start to feel sick. Again, super weird. To be clear, I acknowledge after reading later, this is very likely altitude sickness. I had never Mm -hmm. experienced it, but very likely the reason, nonetheless, weird. We enjoy a sight or two within the town and return, still not feeling great, but not going to ruin our vacation over it. When we get back, I inquire at the desk about the folks in the attic I heard the night before. As you likely guess, there is no attic. The Mm. hotel was originally three floors, and the fourth floor is what was previously the attic. Literally the only thing above us was roof. My wife later (gasps) confirmed this from the outside looking up to the room. So creepy, but not bad. I was a little excited to actually experience something. After dinner, we did the haunted tour. It was very good. Several things to mention. First, the tour seemed too haunted to be true. At one point, the lights flickered in several rooms, way too much, and seemingly interacting with things the host and the guests were saying. If I were on that tour anywhere else, I would have immediately assumed it was all staged. But being the most famous haunted hotel in America and having so many ghost hunter type folks swing by, it seemed so strange to have such obvious bullshit. So who knows? Like, it's too good to be true, but then also why would they fake something so obviously that, like, professional paranormal investigators were were coming to visit anyways, you know? They could kind of see through the BS. Yeah, and it's known for a reason. Yeah. Second thing on the tour, this was creepy. The guides have everyone separate into couples and give each one of us two unsharpened pencils. They tell everyone... The first thing that's going to happen here is you're going to swear your partner is messing with you. Here's how it works. You stand facing your partner. You hold one pencil in each hand and touch erasers to your partner's eraser. Then you ask a question. If the answer is yes, the pencils turn inwards, like crossing. If it's a no, they go outward. This is the most ridiculous thing and I still cannot explain. The whole room was going crazy. I tried my best to figure it out, holding the pencils with the least possible contact. So even subconsciously, I couldn't move them. The next day, we actually tried it with our own pencils. This is just weird. We tried moving on. Night two. I don't think I slept at all. I was just spooked in the room. Have the TV on for most of the night, eventually turn it off to try to sleep, but it really didn't work. So I find myself lying awake next to my sleeping wife, listening to every sound. Lying awake, I was just rationalizing everything I heard. Old room, creaky, must be people outside. The pressure in the room is changing with the wind, the moving of the door, whatever. I then hear and see the doorknob move as though someone outside was turning the handle. I'm deep in thought, trying to rationalize the doorknob turning when my wife screams. 
So this is an experience all its own. My wife literally screaming in terror, which prompts me to scream back at her in terror, which of course prompts her to scream back at me. If you were watching it, I suspect it was actually comical. We must have exchanged screams for a full three seconds, after which I got up, turned on the lights, and we sat there for a bit. She eventually went back to sleep. I never did. Wait, what? She didn't say anything? She didn't say anything after screaming? Mm -mm. Oh my God. Okay. So this is day three. So I'm as sick as I can imagine. I try to be good sport, make it into town, grab a quick lunch, and immediately regurgitate it in the restroom at the restaurant. We did not really discuss what what happened the night earlier, but we do discuss attempting to change rooms. Every time I read about watch a real haunting, my first reaction is, why didn't you just fucking leave? (laughs) This this is a solid question. And again, we discussed it. I think we decided to stay in the room because it was just one more night and we'd leave very early the next morning. And I was sick and I didn't want to attempt to move anything, including myself. So we stayed in the room. The remainder of the afternoon, my wife explored, hit a tour of the hotel, etc. I stayed in the room, all the lights on, the TV on. (laughs) By this point, I was freaked out by literally everything. Anyway, the rest of the stay is uneventful. We watched the concert despite me being on my deathbed. (laughs) When we went to sleep that night, I have headphones on, playing very loud beach sounds or something, and the TV stayed on all night. We had to be up at 4 a.m. to catch our flight, so I literally watched TV and the clock counting the minutes until we could could leave. We gather our stuff and leave. I still feel horrible, and to reiterate, I'm sure this is altitude sickness, but I just do not get sick. We get in the shuttle towards the airport, and I feel better just moments after leaving the hotel. We spend the ride to the airport mostly in silence, but I'm just feeling better and better. Again, dropping altitude, I don't know. Almost done here. I know, long story. (laughs) We check in at the airport and get breakfast. First time I have eaten normally in days. I have a huge plate of whatever and finally talk to my wife about what happened on night two. Up until this point, we had not discussed it. After hearing the doorknob turning and trying to rationalize what it could be, I turned to look at it. Hard to tell what happened at first. My wife screaming or me seeing it but either way I turn to look at my wife and see it by the way I'm getting cold and on edge typing this fun stuff what I saw was not like a super clear movie ghost it was like a white blurry floating figure best description is a long white dress she was basically lying over my wife's legs crawling up towards her head (gasps) then we began screaming my screams were 20% terror 80% scare this thing away I guess I assume my wife saw the same thing as she was the first to scream while recanting this to my wife over breakfast she suddenly became very shocked she had in fact not seen anything that night but she gave me some info that I hadn't heard yet first Apparently during her hotel tour, after which she didn't tell me any of this, she randomly asked about our room just to see if there were any particular stories. They told her that the common haunting for that room was a woman, 
dressed in all white who tries to <gasps> possess single women staying there. I just got goosebumps. I've had goosebumps for a minute. So this is pretty darn close, although my wife is thankfully quite married. Second, her impression of the night in question, despite not actually seeing anything, was a dream that felt as though someone was attempting to take over her body. <gasps> Again, weird. Third, and maybe my best, my wife is way more skeptical than I, more skeptical than most, I'd venture to say, but she finally told me what I apparently said to her after our screaming fit, which she just assumed I said as a worried husband. I said, where did it go? So there's my tale, maybe not the creepiest, but all my real experience and a weekend I will not likely forget. Oh my God, that was very creepy. Super and creepy. And amazing. Super creepy. <gasps> Mike, <gasps> thank Mike, you're amazing. You are amazing. Thank you so much for sending that. And your wife is a badass. Yes. I think that that ghost only goes after single women because if not, see the husband screaming yeah. ruins her possession. Yes. Oh my God. I want to go to the Stanley so bad. Mm. Oh my God. That would be so cool. I'm terrified to go there now. I thought it was cool before because um, I'm a Stephen <laughs> King fan, but now I don't want to go there at all. It's our duty. Okay, fine, fine. It is our duty. It's our duty. I will go. Um, but I'm only, like, I'm not sleeping there. I will go do a tour. I wonder if his room was the same or close to the room that Stephen King stayed in when he was there. I know. he That whole entire hotel in Colorado inspired The Shining. Yeah. He had a paranormal experience there that inspired The Shining. Oh, man. So good. Oh. And what a cool, what a cool band. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like trying to stay focused after that story because it was so good. And now I just can't. Can you imagine if you were sleeping and you looked over and there was an apparition climbing up your husband's body trying to take over? That is pretty sure on The Grudge 2020, there's a similar thing. Pretty sure on 50% of all horror movies, the the image of something crawling up your bed towards you. No fucking way. I cannot deal. Like, that is so fucking scary. That's why I go to sleep every night listening to Bob's Burgers. Straight, straight up heart attack. That's why I don't sleep in the dark. Fuck all that shit. Oh, no. I would have screamed. I would still be screaming. If I was Mike, I would be like, and I continue to scream to this day. <laughs> <laughs> That's That would be my claim to fame. This story is actually from my cousin. Well, cousin-in-law. He is married to my cousin who is a fan of the show. And it's almost her birthday. So happy birthday, Beck. <gasps> She's amazing. She is. Also, my cousins and I were all freakishly close. Mm -hmm. Abnormally close. We're pretty much like siblings. Mm -hmm. We all live together at various times in our lives. Mm -hmm. And somehow I had, I have never heard the story, which is pretty crazy. Really? That shocks me because you guys are very, you are yeah. like siblings, all of you. Yeah. And so even though this is from like my 
cousin-in-law or however you'd say it. Like I've known him since I was in fifth grade. So it's just really weird that I've never heard this story. All right. So here it goes. When I was six years old, my grandpa owned a house in South Sacramento. Over the years, almost everyone in my family spent time living in this little house. My aunt, my mom's oldest sister, lived in the house right before my family lived there. I would be over there a lot to play with my cousin. I have bits of memories of my aunt doing things I thought were really weird. (laughs) Okay. I would hear her talking in the next room. And when I would ask if she was talking to me, she would tell me, I am not talking to you. Mind your business. (laughs) Okay. She would then continue to talk. One time I overheard her saying, are you listening to me? Show me a sign if you were listening to me. Then I heard what sounded like silverware hitting the floor. I'm out. I'm out. Cassie's already left the story. (laughs) Once I spent the night there with my cousin, I woke up to a tug and something pulling me from the room. Sleepily, I walked into the living room to find it dark, aside from several candles that were lit. Mm Mm-mm. In the middle of the room was a board. Mm -mm. What I now know was a Ouija board. Nope. When my aunt saw me and my cousin out of bed, she rushed us to her bedroom, threw us on the bed, and told us not to leave. I started crying, and my cousin shushed me until I calmed down. Once I stopped crying, the entire house became eerily quiet. Then I heard my aunt scream. And I saw a shadow pass by the window. I covered my ears when I heard that scream. I can't do this. I can't do this. You're okay. It's okay. A few minutes later, my aunt came and got us, saying everything was all right now, and took us back to my cousin's room. Needless to say, I didn't sleep that night and watched as the sun came up the next morning. After this incident, there were stories about my aunt trying to get rid of the Ouija board. She once threw it away, another time snapped it in half, but somehow it would always reappear in the house. Finally, she burned it, and she said that when the wood board hit the flames, it made a screeching sound. I learned of these stories years later from a family member. Eventually came the day when my family took over the little house. Oh, geez. It was foolish, but my mom chose to live rent-free, even though she knew the kind of things my aunt had been doing in the house. Mm -mm -mm. Move-in day was long and tiring. Although we did get to take in my uncle's dog, Chato. He was a very well-trained pit bull. Still only halfway moved in, that night my sister and I slept on the mattress on the floor of the bedroom next to a closet. I used to sleep like a rock. That night, I woke to my sister shaking me. As I wiped my eyes, I saw my sister scrambling to her feet and running out of the room. I looked in the closet, and like the fuzziness of a channel you don't have back in the day, sitting on our Red Rider tricycle was a little boy with a huge head. 
His feet and legs were moving like he was riding the bike. He turned his head towards me and waved a slow wave. I tried to scream, but my mouth opened and nothing came out. I tried again, but in fear, nothing came out still. Finally, I was able to move and ran from the room. My sister and I were crying and falling over each other to get to our mom. We cried that someone was in our room. My mom initially was like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? (laughs) But once she saw the fear in our faces, she yelled into the room. I have a gun and my dog is going to bite you. (laughs) She told Chato to sick him. I watched Chato go into the room, make two little circles on the bed, and lay down. My mom called 911 and some family members. The police came, and I remember the SAC PD saying, The window is open, so either someone was here and jumped out, or they saw a shadow laughing under his breath. No one found anything. My mom was looking at us, about to explode. Then my aunt said, I'm sorry. I thought I took him with me. I thought when I moved, he came with me. I didn't understand what that meant at the time. I did know that this comment scared my mom, and she let us sleep in her room that night with her and Chato and a shotgun. I'll never forget the kid with the big head on the tricycle. Ever. I'm so freaked out. Okay. this It's so dark in here. First of all, this is a very bad idea to read ghost stories. Um, True ghost stories at night. Why don't we do this in the morning? We record at night and I have one light on in here. I'm so freaked out. Okay. Well, and I just kept thinking, is this like Candyman? Because I practice reading this story and if I say boy on the tricycle or boy with the big head too many times is he gonna come into my life now am I gonna be freaking haunted yes and well I'm sitting next to two fully glass French doors that are like leading out to a completely dark yard which is freaking me out oh um I will never ever look out a dark window I refuse well I have two life yeah you need a curtain you need a curtain over that it's crazy and it's unlocked which is weird what okay i'm gonna lock it hold on okay please lock the door what is this scream 12 jesus well i'm i'm happy that my cousin's story prompted us to lock your door yeah fucking. <laughs> that's literally a part of our sign off yeah. is lock your doors i know and i didn't you know my son was went out it there's a praying mantis on the door and he opened it um okay well that's it. fair praying mantis are cool he had to get that that was a very fucking scary story, okay? I'm sorry. I don't know what his aunt was doing, but she needs to quit that. Quit it. Qu- knock that shit off. Don't fuck with Ouija boards, people. <laughs> they're, they're not a great idea. No. That's like asking for trouble. It's very scary, and child ghosts are the scariest. It's it's very much reminds me of like the old, I think they're the grudge movies with the little boy with the black eyes, and mm-hmm. it's very terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very scary. Yeah, I don't, I don't watch those. Um, and honestly, it's feels more demonic to me when it takes on something that's so 
seemingly innocent. It's very creepy. Okay. It's scarier. Just, just can we just not like spitball it? Okay, come on. <laughs> I'm gonna have a nightmare. Yeah, I'm definitely having nightmares. So thank you so much. Uh, fuck happy hour gets spooky. <laughs> okay, okay, go ahead. Um, okay, so this is from a guy named Andrew, and uh, he has two paranormal stories. The first one is a direct story, and the second one I was merely present. So part one. So the first paranormal encounter I had was when I was in sixth grade. I was staying at my friend Rob's home and as I had a hundred times before during elementary school, usually we were doing things that normal small town kids would do, playing video games, watching movies, making rap songs. We literally made an entire rap album and it was terrible. (laughs) Oh my God. I want to hear it. Send it to us right now. We'll play it on the, on our, on an ending. Yes. Um, (laughs) Same. I want to hear it too. At one point, Rob got a hold of a Ouija board and not the one of those cheap Hasbro ones, it, but a real wooden one that looked fairly old. I don't recall where he said he got it, but that's besides the point. Of course, being kids, our curiosity got the better of us and we decided to play around on it. We would get on the board here and there over the next few times I stayed the night, asking mostly dumb questions. I remember one time I was trying to find a spirit of Sam Kinesian, Kinesian, a, a comedian that had just died. I had no idea who he was at the time, but knew he had just died that week. I remember, though, I forgot his name and mistook his name with Ron, Ronnie Dangerfield, another name <laughs> I knew but didn't really know who it was. After all, I was 11. Well, At the time, Rodney Dangerfield was not dead, but whatever was on the board was very agreeable and went along with pretty much anything I asked. Yes, I'm Rodney Dangerfield. Looking back at that, I always laugh. By the way, just typing this up, my eyes are getting watery. I don't know what it is, but with this encounter in my life, my eyes get watery when it happens. And every time I encounter something I believe to be paranormal or see something on TV that is believable, my eyes get watery. It's not fear because I would love to go ghost hunting, to be honest. I don't know what it is, but as I write this, they're beginning to water as I get to the creepy part. I think that's like a physiological response to something that you feel strongly about. Yeah, my eyes are watering. Uh, So every time since the first time at Rob's house, we would encounter an entity on the Ouija board that would refer to itself as G. We would ask it to elaborate on its name and it would just go to G. The only answers G would ever give us were yes and no. It would never spell anything out. Well, I remember at one point Rob asked if it was a good spirit and this is where things got a little weird. The planchette got a little faster after Rob asked that question, doing aggressive figure eights around the board and occasionally stopping on the moon symbol or the letter G. We had no idea what that meant, and I still don't, to be honest. The more we asked it questions, the more aggressive it got. Finally, we were both pretty freaked out and decided we were going to leave the room and go watch TV in the living room across the other side of the house. Looking back, we knew nothing about closing the session, and we literally just walked away. So we went out to watch the movie Tombstone in the living room, and we didn't get very far. 
Rob's dog almost immediately when we sat down runs back to the hallway, runs right up to Rob's room, which is ominously at the end of a long hallway and begins to bark. His dog almost never barked, yet here it was looking basically directly at the Ouija board through the doorway, barking. Within 10 seconds, his dog came running back, whimpering. We went over to the couch and sat back down quickly. His dog, Muffy, who names her dog Muffy, came running to us, still whimpering. When she jumps up on Rob's lap, that's when he notices her right eye is festered shut. There was a brief moment before Muffy ran to the living room where she was sitting on Rob's lap. Neither Rob nor I noticed anything wrong with her eye, and she certainly was not whimpering. We both are really freaked out now, not knowing what to do. Then the power in the entire house went out. <gasps> we left. I did not return to Rob's house for a few months, and to be quite honest, we never really talked about it. I never asked what happened to the Ouija board or what happened when you went back home. I think we both just decided not to speak about it. We grew apart over the years, but just writing this makes me want to call him and ask that. Oh my gosh. That's great. That's scary. That's I hope not, the dog's okay. No, that's not fucking great. I mean, it's a great story, and I hope the dog's okay. I, I hope her eye got better. Yeah. I don't know how Muffy turned out, but that is scary, and that's exactly why you do not mess with the Ouija board. So this is a second story Andrew sent in. And he says, this one is less exciting because I did not personally witness anything. I'll just summarize it very quickly. It was during high school and we were at a house in Chico, California. Whoop, whoop, Chico. That's close to us. I, we, what, what, what do they say in Chico? Uh, here's to the nights we don't remember and the days we'll never forget. Yes. I forgot it immediately. Yes. <laughs> Cheers to Chico. It's a fun, fun it's town. it's actually City. quite beautiful in my opinion it's fun they have a lot of beautiful trees there old trees um it is a fun town i've spent many a night in chico in which i don't remember <laughs> none of my stories involve ghosts See, but they're all nope they're all great oh well ghost of boyfriend's past <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah the only proof that i've ever been there outside of my you know alcohol blackout is probably my atm records <laughs> yeah yeah okay there are about six or seven of us and four of us decided to play around on the ouija board andrew stop with the you ouija didn't board. learn your freaking lesson S andrew stop this oh, is at God. least four years after the first story and i remember being super apprehensive they turned off most of the lights except some candles to give it that creepy feeling Mm -mm. To be honest, it was pretty uneventful. What you would expect during a Ouija board session with friends, accusations of you're pushing it, and mysterious conversations with one word replies from something. Mm -hmm. What I remember of this, feeling cold, like a cold breeze had come through the window, now ice cold, but that feeling you get in fall when you have the window open and the wind picks up ever so slightly, reminding you winter is around the corner. What a beautiful sentence. I thought nothing of it at the time, and it merely might be coincidental because it was indeed fall at the time. However, right about the same time, three different people freaked out suddenly. 
The weird part was they all reacted in the same, at the same exact time, which is the only reason I tend to tell this story. One of the people not on the Ouija board was one of the ones who reacted. One of them said they saw a figure moving and that was all they saw. The other two both swore they saw a Native American man walking through the room, only they were assuming he was walking because they couldn't see his legs. Both of them, and I wouldn't believe these two to conspire to make stories up, said they saw a Native American man moving through the room, but his waist was floor level. After talking about it, we realized that in the man's time, the house we were in did not exist. I believe the people who said they saw what they saw and after my first encounter that night was about over for me and <laughs> I went home obviously <laughs> I would like uh Audi 5000 <laughs> uh one thing I can tell you though in the second story I did not get the same feeling as I did in the first in the first story I can remember feeling dread and it was emanating from all around me during the second story, I recall not having the same feeling. The house was calm and serene. The people who even saw whatever they saw were not scared either. The atmosphere was completely different. So, one bat, one negative entity, one peaceful entity. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking like, uh, yeah, one negative entity and maybe one residual or something yeah that sounds like a residual haunting um oh man andrew when you hit up that ouija board <laughs> for one last sweet sweet ouija session <laughs> you give us a call i <laughs> he's got the he's got the magic touch for the ouija boards i i have only used a ouija board once in my life Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into it this episode because my heart cannot take any more palpitations. I will die. Okay. Okay. This is actually a great setup because our next episode mm-hmm. is about Ouija boards. It, it is. We are going to explore the history mm-hmm. and some crimes yes. associated with the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. So on the next episode... Can we start that episode with your Ouija board story? Sure. Will you be up for it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't really F with ghosts because I do not want an attachment. Like, that is my biggest fear. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. want an attachment. And that's why I don't really F with ghosts. I don't care to encounter ghosts. I don't care to investigate ghosts. I um, have I have interest. However, I, my fear is uh, takes a higher precedent. I agree. Although I'm constantly singing the Ghostbusters song, I ain't afraid I of no ghost. ghost. <laughs> I I am a little fearful of attachment. Well, those were fantastic stories. I will have nightmares for an entire month now until Thanksgiving. So thank you so much, Mike Wine Guy. And Jeremy from the Storage Papers and Andrew and Tiffany's cousin and Leon from One Good Question. 
the stories were so great. We really appreciate you guys taking the time. Mm-hmm. We know it takes time to write them mm-hmm. and to send them. And everything's hectic. And we truly, truly appreciate it. Honestly, Tiffany couldn't have said it better. It really does take time to sit down and write out an email, especially like a, a weird situation that happened in your life that maybe you try not to think about on a daily basis <laughs> having to write it out and put it into words I mean I can't imagine if I had to write an email to someone about the time that a ghost tried to possess my spouse that's <laughs> terrifying <laughs> terrifying it is. but it's spooky season and we are here for it yes so on that note we hope you enjoyed the episode and I am not, not gonna sleep in probably till tomorrow night for 24 hours <laughs> Um, but I am going to love myself, lock my doors, and I'm definitely going to light some sage after this episode. (laughs) Cheers to that. Cheers to that. (sighs) Well, I'm going to watch Disney princess movies now for three hours so I can fall asleep. (laughs) Fuck your life. I'm going to go smoke like 10 cigarettes and then watch Dexter. (laughs) Oh yeah, that'll help you sleep. Actually, Dexter would be better.